Jesus, we come to you today. We don't want good music and a good sermon. We want an encounter with a great God. So we ask you would move in our hearts today and we give you permission. We ask that we would be different walking out than how we walked in. And everyone said, amen. We're glad you guys are here today. I'm going to tell you a story that was in the news this last week. A group of tourists spent the uh, hours on Saturday night looking for a missing woman near Iceland's Elja Canyon, only to find out later that she was among the search party. The, the group was traveling through Iceland on a tour bus and stopped near this volcanic canyon, and soon there was word that there was a missing passenger. The woman who had changed clothes didn't recognize the description of herself and joined in the search. <laughs> Around 3 a.m., the search was called off when it became clear that the missing woman was, in fact, searching for herself. Now, this article is good for a good laugh, but you see it's also applicable today because many of us are looking for ourselves and our true identity. In fact, sometimes we don't recognize the person we've become and we spend a lifetime trying to find the person that we thought we should look like. And by the end of today's message, I want you to know two things. One, just to know this, where does my identity come from? And number two, the power and the place to find your truest identity. When we talk about identity, it's defined simply as who you are and knowing who you are. It seems silly because you know who you are, right? I mean, you've known yourself for many years. You're your longest-term relationship. You know who you are. But identity matters. And identity is the place in your life that will become under more attack than any other area in your life. And if your identity adjusts even a little bit, it can have amazing impacts on your daily joy and peace and calling and purpose. Truly, this is no exaggeration. If, if we lose our identity or we operate out of a different identity, then our life will be a tale of something that missed God's calling, missed the glory He has ahead for us. You see, your identity is the core reality of who you are. It's what we do, it's what we think, it's what we believe, it's how we react, it's, it's, it's how we think of our past, it's how we, we deal with our present, it's what we hope for in the future. All those things flow out of our identity. And, and if you change a person's identity, well, you change their entire life. If you change a person's identity, you change the entire way they perceive life. And so what happens if we lose our identity? You know, identity theft is a real thing, and it's going to affect 17 million people this very year. Someone else comes in and takes your identity, and it's such a violation, isn't it? And it takes so long. It's a painful experience, and it often results in losses and an agonizing path to get it back. Well, John 10.10 says this about God's enemy, our enemy. It says that he comes to steal and kill and destroy. You see, the enemy of God, the enemy of humanity, comes and has a plan to steal, to steal your identity, to kill your passion and to destroy your destiny. And if the enemy has your identity, well, he's got your life. You see, it starts with stealing. And it's a painful experience. And there's a lot of loss. And it's an agonizing path to get it back. Now, our identity doesn't just get stolen from the enemy. Our life does plenty to tell us and inform us who we are. You know, our life experiences constantly tell us who we are. And then you have other people, well-meaning and not so much. You have your parents and friends and enemies all telling you who you are, 
who they see you as. Then we have our natural abilities. Then they inform us of who we are, athletic or academic, or our beauty or material possessions. And then we have our successes and we have our failures. Both of these informing our heart of who we are. At every turn, life is in the business of speaking identity to you. Unfortunately, we usually take the bait on this. And we believe this often because we, we believe something. Our function determines our identity. Our function, how we operate, determines our identity. Our function is what we do. Our identity is who we be, which simply means we find our identity by what we do. And this happens so often. We let our do determine our be. Throughout our life, every experience, from what went good to what went bad, they build a case for who we are based on what we've done. Now, in high school or middle school, this is so easy to see. Now, after you're out of it, you look, I mean, you look at the pretty girl, she's the popular girl. The, the athletic guy, he's the, he's the popular jock. The brainy studier is, is a nerd. Or you have the, the, the spazzy preacher's son. Well, he's that ADD kid. I mean, every, it's pretty easy to see. I mean, do you remember in high school or middle school? I mean, for some of you, it's black and white memory, you know? But do you remember? I mean, there we were. We were all so young. We had so few experiences. We were so uninformed about our identities that we simply put on an identity based on what was most obvious, what I can do or what I look like. And that's high school and that's middle school. And what's unfortunate is when we graduate, we never really grow out of that pattern, not fully. You see, you know people who define themselves by their looks. You know people who define their life on their appearance and how they come across on social media or in conversation. You know people who define themselves by their business success or their business failure. You probably know some people who define themselves by the marriage they have or the kids or their divorce and what they've lost. And we all know people who define themselves by their, by their brokenness or their, their addiction or their sin. In the absence of having a true identity, humanity quickly turns to what I do to tell me who I am. And this can get pretty dark if we continue this pattern. You see, when bad decisions is what we do, the unfortunate thing is those bad decisions begin to tell us who we be. And so many of us go through life defined by our worst moments we allow our sins and addictions and dysfunctions to tell us who we are. And this is more common than we would choose to admit. It's very common and it's sad. I mean, look at your own life and ask yourself, what informs you of who you are? Well, when do you feel confident and good or when do you feel insecure? When do you feel like you're doing well in life? Do you have past sins or current issues that whisper about your identity? Do you have successes in business or in life or in relationships that, that you identify by? Here's another diagnostic question. What does your self-worth ebb and flow based on? Does your self-worth ebb and flow based on your success or your failure? Does your self-worth ebb and flow based on how people like you and are pleased with you or they're displeased with you? For many of us, our, our self-worth ebbs and flows based on I'm avoiding sin I'm not avoiding sin. And we find that our life gets in this cycle of based on what we do, that's who we be. These are not easy questions. But it's, it's important because it gives an identity 
power over us when we, when we hand it over like this. And as a pastor, I meet many people who've given their past and what's happened to them and the things they've done, given their past the power to identify their present. I meet many people who allow their sin to define them. People who let their accomplishments or their failures tell them who they are. Bottom line, humanity has come to believe that our identity is achieved, that we achieve it, either through good or through bad, for better or for worse, our identity is achieved. And this this is where the cross comes in. The cross inserts itself here because Jesus died and rose again. And on the cross, our identity has found its greatest and truest expression. Whatever identity you live with based on your experiences, when you choose to come to faith in Jesus, his work on the cross gives you a new identity. To to illustrate this, let's look at the life of Paul. He's a man who came to Jesus later in life, and and his identity before that was firmly rooted in his accomplishments. And he's like many of us. You'll see that. In Philippians 3, he goes through the laundry list of his credentials. And a lot of these things you're going to read, you're going to be like, well, that doesn't sound that that great. But to a first century Hebrew, he is positioning himself to be one of the elite in the culture. And so read along with me in Philippians 3. You know my pedigree, a legitimate birth circumcised on the eighth day, an Israelite from the elite tribe of Benjamin, a strict and devout adherent to God's law, a fiery defender of the purity of my religion, even to the point of persecuting the church, a meticulous observer to everything set down in God's law book. At some point in Paul's life, these achievements meant everything to him. This set him apart in the world around him. Paul had achieved a status in the culture and society that few others could match. But then he came face to face with Jesus and he found out that Jesus was who he claimed to be. And it changed everything. Because when he placed his faith in Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross, he found that when he used to find his identity in his achievements, there was a new place to find his identity. And he, said, he continues, But these credentials that others are so proud of, I'm now tearing up and throwing in the trash along with everything else I could take credit for. Now, what would, take some, what, would, what would motivate somebody to take everything their life has always been about, everything that had told them who they were, everything that had made them feel good about themselves, and call it garbage? He says, why? And he goes on. He says, because of Christ. It's because of Christ that this happened. That he, he counted all that as garbage. Paul had his worth and his achievements, his success, his his money, his position, but in finding the robust reality of Jesus, he counts it all as loss to what he gains in Jesus. He goes further. Yes, all things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant garbage. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I can embrace Jesus and be embraced by him. We see a person who's deeply rooted in their their identity of achievement, who casts it off for something greater. Why? Because if our identity is rooted in achievement, it comes and goes, it ebbs and flows based on how we're doing, how we're feeling, what life brings us. But Paul has found something far superior, far superior You see, Paul has learned that our truest identity is received, not achieved. 
that you can't achieve your truest identity that's only received. Religion of any kind, even the religion of materialism, will always tell you, go, go and find your worth, while Jesus says, come, come to me and find your worth. It's a completely different offer. Your greatest self, your truest identity, your greatest worth is not found in the work you can do. It's found on the work he did on the cross. The cross did the work for us so that we don't have to do it ourselves, which is good news. I mean, I can take to the cross my greatest accomplishments, the things that I find my worth in, and at the cross I find a deeper, authentic worth that doesn't judge me based on my human goodness, but judges me based on divine greatness far superior. I can bring my greatest failures to the cross, the things that, that tell me who I am. And at the cross, I find my worth is not defined by the stain of my sins, but by the stain of his blood that was shed for my freedom. Far superior. And what about those sins? What about the sins in our life? The things that, that we've done that, that inform us of, of our worth Colossians 2 talks about where those sins are. It says, God brought you alive with Jesus. All your spiritual debts canceled. Your slate wiped clean. Those sins forgiven and nailed to the cross of Christ. You want to know where your sins are in Jesus? Where the nails are. Nailed there and left there. Not to inform you of who you are, because Jesus wants to tell you who you are. Your past, your shame, any guilt, any, any of those things, anything that reminds you of who you used to be or what you have done, they meet a glorious end at the cross of Jesus. No longer should we allow our sins to define us. No longer should, should our sins have the final say in who our worth is, because they're dead and gone. Now Jesus died, but he's not gone. He resurrected. And he tells us our worth. You see, before we come to the cross, before our faith in Jesus, we find our identity wherever we can in life. We're like just beggars, like trying to find our identity and worth in whatever we can succeed in and trying to get rid of the things that we are failing in. But when the truth of Jesus opens our hearts, we receive his work. We find the new identity based on his work. And we are no longer defined by our past. And we are no longer striving for our worth in the present. And we're no longer hoping for a future that brings us good things to make us feel better. You see, the work has been done. The past has been forgiven. The present has been empowered. And the future, you've been called and purposed. Now, many of you are saying here today, some of you, you know, I I've come to Jesus. I, I believe in him. Why do I still struggle with this? Why do I think my sins still tell me who I am? Why does my business and success and failures and relationships, why do these things still tell me who I am if this is true? What's well, identity theft? Your true identity has been stolen and replaced by something far inferior. One that's based on our behavior. An identity based on what we do. And it's time to remember again who you are. It's time to remember again whose you are. Because that is where you will find your truest identity. Listen to this declaration from 2 Corinthians 5.17. Anyone who belongs to Jesus is a new creation. A what? I'm sorry. Anyone who belongs to Jesus is a what? A new creation. 
It doesn't say he just shines you up and cleans you off. He remakes you anew. And then it goes on. It says the old life is gone. A new life has come. A completely new creation. For those who belong to Jesus, Almighty God declared that you are part of his ancient royal lineage. You're a part of his family. He declares your past shackles gone. He gives you a new identity with new royal ties. And as we go into this this video, it's going to illustrate the power of the king. And in this video, you're going to see a man who's in stocks and shackles. And he's about to be killed because he has gone through life faking his identity. He's been trying to get by on a false identity based on what he can do and not do. And it caught up to him. He got caught. He couldn't trick him anymore. He's been striving in his humanity. to do, But it's been a vicious cycle. And here he is. He's stuck and shackled in his lives. Listen. Let's watch this. He's out on his luck. Even his good works that try to defend him. His good works can't defend him because his accusations, his sin and his shame hurl insults at him and hurl garbage at him. They know who he is. They know his identity. And so nothing, even his good works can defend him. The man is caught. His accusers have him. But the prince of heaven, Jesus reveals himself and steps out into the space, intervening between the accusers and the accused. And with a divine glare, silences the accusations and steps forward. And he begins to talk to the person. He tells them, I see who you are. I know you, and I know what you've been doing. You've been faking it but I know who you are. I created you, and I want to set you free. And the, the prince begins to, to tell him who he is and who he could be, speaking words of life, words of freedom, an offer of something far greater than where he currently is. The man finds himself trapped, but he hears something glorious, and he sees something in the face of Jesus. Release him. In one word, release, he is free. He may appear to be of humble origins, but my personal historians have discovered that he is descendant from an ancient royal line. This is my word, and as such is beyond Contestation. By his authority, he declares a new identity. And then he invites him. He doesn't stop there. He invites him. If I may repay the kindness you once showed me. Take a knee. in me by my father, King Edward, and by all the witnesses here, I dub thee Sir William. In the presence of your accusers, Jesus sets you free and gives you a new title. But he's not done. He invites you into a lifestyle, a calling with him to join him. Rise, Sir William. 
And here we see a picture of what our life could look like. All of us caught in the shackles of an identity that has that is, that is run its course, that is exhausting. And Jesus sets us free. And by his authority and the authority of his Father, he declares who we are beyond, contest, beyond contestation. And there in that space, he calls us to a life. Now I wish that that movie accurately captured everything I'm trying to get at today, but it doesn't. The complete work that Jesus does. But I hold in my hand something. This is one of the most potent documents in the world. This document right here is more powerful than perhaps anything you have in your possession. This piece of paper is a covenant, a contract, a declaration. This piece of paper, this piece of paper has changed someone's past. Rewritten it. This piece of paper has changed someone's present transformed it. And this piece of paper will forever change somebody's future. You see, this document belongs to a little girl who goes to our church. And in human terms, this document does for her what she could never do for herself. You see, on November 20th, 2013, a tiny baby was born, a little baby girl, her present circumstances were not looking good. And her future was in doubt at best. But on March 13th, 2014, the infant girl's life was forever changed by this piece of paper. And because of this paper, this little girl has never been the same. You see, this is the adoption papers for Josie Rose Mays, who is the daughter of our kid pastor, Stacy, and her husband, Lane. In this one piece of paper, Josie, Josie received a new identity. It declares her the biological daughter of Layden Stacy. This piece of paper declares that she has always been their daughter. It declares that she will always be their daughter. This piece of paper doesn't say she's some lesser adopted child compared to her siblings. No, it declares in detail how she is a daughter with every right of the other siblings, of her brothers and sisters, that there is no difference between them. This piece of paper goes on to say that when Stacy and Lane pass, Josie will continue to be their daughter with full rights of inheritance. This did for Josie what she could never do for herself. Do you know what Josie had to do with this process? Do you know what she had to do to earn this? She did nothing. This paper did for her what she was unable to do for herself. All she could offer was dirty diapers and cries. But because of the love of her mommy and daddy, this paper said, you are mine even when she was helpless and speechless and unable to help herself. You see, what this document did was change her entire past and her entire destiny when she could not do a thing. I was told with this quote that when this paper was signed, it saved her from a terrible past to a glorious future opportunity. I just want to make it clear, Josie didn't achieve this document. She merely received it. 
You see, this is the cross of Jesus. The cross of Jesus has the power to change our past. The cross of Jesus is a covenant with the power to change our present. The cross of Jesus is a covenant of adoption with the power to transform our future forever. The cross is where a revolutionary rabbi lived and died, came to us from the Father. He lived a life we could never live, and we owe a debt of sin we could never pay, but he paid it for us. He went to the cross not just to die, but so that you could live. He went to the cross so that you could be adopted into his family with rights of inheritance, with a document that says your entire past is changed and transformed, that you've always been his child, and that you always will be, and that nothing can undo that. You see, there is a document from heaven with your name on it. Not because of your achievements, but because of his love. And this document of adoption from God the Father, it declares throughout the ages, you are my child. You are mine, and I love you, and you will bear my name, and I will have the final say in your identity. John 1.12 says, To all who receive Jesus and to any who believe in his name, he gives full rights to be a child of God. Not halfway rights so you skulk around the, the throne room because you still have sin. Full rights as a son or a daughter of God. He doesn't stop there. In Romans 8.15, he gives us his spirit. The spirit you receive does not make you a slave again to fear. No, the spirit you receive brought, you, brought about your adoption as God's sons and daughters. So you can cry. So you can cry, Abba, Father. Abba's not just a band. It's a beautiful, tender word. Abba's a word you don't find in religion. Because it has nothing to do with religion. It's certainly not a word you would use for a, a white-bearded guy in the sky who wears a frown because of your many sins. No. You see, Abba means daddy. It doesn't mean father. It doesn't even mean dad. It means daddy. Abba. Daddy, up! Daddy, up! And because of the document of love that is the cross of Jesus... When you pray, when you pray to God, you don't have to pray, Almighty Father. You can say, Daddy, up. Daddy, I need you because you are His. He has adopted you with a covenant. And He paid the price because we couldn't pay it. Because of the cross, you are adopted and your daddy loves you. And he calls you a child. So what's your identity today? Well, in Jesus, you're a beloved son. You're a forgiven daughter. You are saved, redeemed. You are empowered. You are an overcomer. You are delighted in. You have been bled for. You have been whipped for. You have been died for. When you could do nothing and you cannot achieve this identity, you simply receive it. Because of the work on the cross, you are declared worthy 
no matter what success or failure you ever have. You are declared clean no matter what sin you avoid or indulge in. You are declared a son of God or a daughter of God, even if you don't feel like it based on your experience. The word of God, there is a document out there with blood written on it that declares that you are his. Orchard, the cross changes everything for us. He calls us to come and receive a true identity, to to, to lay down our striving that we could become something and see that he he became shame so we could have life. Now, this is something we're going to deal with every day. But I want us to leave here in the knowledge that if you are in Jesus, you have a new identity. And so as we take communion, and this is an open table for any who would receive, who would want to do it, as you hold the blood and the body, the symbols of him, his sacrifice in your hands, that's your adoption papers. Because of his sacrifice, you are his. And so I want you to look at that and just say thank you. Thank you that there is, a, there is a document of adoption out there that has my name on it. That you died on the cross so I could have my identity. And then I want you to take just a second and say, where do I find my identity? Where do I find that I'm doing good or not doing good? And how do I judge my life based on that? And then ask his forgiveness because the truth is you are who he says you are despite how you feel. You're his. Josie is Stacy's even when she's mad at her mommy. Even when she doesn't feel like it, it's done. It's settled. And it's settled for you as well. If you're here today and, and, and you want to you need prayer, I would encourage you to go to the back corner. We have people who want to pray for you this morning. It doesn't matter if it's something small or big, a blessing or a request. If you're here today and you want to talk more about, I want to receive Jesus, let me close this in this. If you want to say, I want a new identity, I want to pray to receive this new identity in Jesus. I want the cross as mine. If you want to pray this with me, I want us all to pray together. And the Bible says, if you, you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and died and rose again, he gives you a new identity. You're saved. So let's pray together. Jesus, I need you. I need a new identity. Forgive me for finding it other places. I know you died and rose again. I give you my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that for the first time, I'd love for you to come talk to me or talk to somebody in the back and let them know. But for the rest of us, let's respond how the Spirit would lead in communion. Amen.